podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm your host, Savannah Rubino, and with me is co-host and veteran of this podcast, Gracie. Sorry, you're not making, not trying to make you seem old. Well, I just, I, is that, a, is veteran a euphemism for millennial? I feel like. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. Lots, just kidding. lots to tackle. Lots about. to unpack with that one. Just but kidding. Let's move on. Um, but we are talking about company culture. And this episode is really interesting because we're talking about international company culture, which is such a big umbrella of things. So Gracie, I'm interested in hearing what you really want to know about company culture internationally. Yeah, I like this one. Um, I mean, so we interviewed Katie and she is at the university, but all of the people that we're interviewing for this are people at the university and like people that we see a lot, like one of your professors and a couple of our coworkers. So I'm interested to see, cause they've all had such vastly different experiences. Are some things similar? Are some things different? Um, I think, I don't know. It, I think this is an important topic for us to think about um, because increasingly you're having to start like working internationally and collaborating with people that are not from the same place as you. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And I think it's even more prevalent because now that we have Zoom and mm-hmm. that's such a common thing, I feel like international business and like globalization is going to really blow up even more than it already has. So it's really important to know those things going into a company or an area sector of business that's going to be interacting a lot with different cultures And we also had two little mini interviews with a couple of tutors here, Anjala and Macy. I know you interviewed Anjala. What were you looking forward to knowing? Well, I'm interested. Well, Anjala just has a lot of experience with like business communication because she was like the director of the business communication lab um, uh, in Colombia. And so I was I was interested to see, Okay, well, what are the differences even just when we talk about business communication with students in Colombia and here, as someone that kind of has like the experience of being a tutor, but also a student and a teacher uh, over there. And so I was interested to see, okay, when you came up, when you came to the BCL at the University of Arkansas, like, I don't know, how do you talk to students about business communication? Is it different or is it not? How do you approach like the pedit? Pedagogical? Pedagogy? Pedagogy, yes. How do you approach that Mm -hmm. um, in that type of culture? That is really interesting. And I didn't even know that about Angela. So Mm -hmm. that's really cool. I'm looking forward to that. I just interviewed Macy, and I'm really excited for everyone to hear her study abroad experience. Because personally, I love something that blew up on my TikTok for you page over the summer was just like how to spot. Um, an American tourist in other countries and so I asked her that and um, it's so interesting just the little day-to-day differences that we have even how iced coffee virtually doesn't exist there Mm -hmm. so looking forward to sharing those as well but let's go ahead and get into our interview with Dr. Rogelio Garcia Contreras from Dr. Rogelio Contreras Um, And today we are doing an episode on international culture. Um, And Rogelio, if you would mind sharing a little bit about your background, what you do, how you got to where you are now, and your role here at the University of Arkansas. You have a pretty stacked resume like we were talking about before, so I'd love for you to give some listeners 
um, some of the highlights or things that you enjoy doing the most? Well, thank you. Thank you, Sabina, for the invitation. I appreciate uh, being here. Um, yeah, well, I, I grew up in Mexico. I came uh, to the U.S. back in 96 to pursue my graduate studies at the University of Denver. And I studied international development. And the international development field is really a very small field. Um, there's a lot of interest out there, you know, lots of students that get to um, uh, pursue this degree. But at the end of the day, uh, really, there's very few professionals in the field um, doing this kind of work. So once you enter that kind of world, it's really um, easy to connect and get places and, and meet people that in so many ways have impacted the way in which I have developed my academic career as well as my consulting career. Um, I do work um, as a director of um, a consulting firm that focuses on uh, developing small business operations in marginalized areas around the world with the intention to break the cycle of poverty uh, and secure the education of the second generation of, of the kids uh, of the women that we work with. And um, I also work as, a, as a, a faculty member here at the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation Department of the Walton College of Business. So this kind of work has uh, given me the, the, the tools to bring uh, the knowledge and experience that I get in one place to the other. And it, it complements really well what I do um, in this space. And then because of the work that I have done in the field, I have been able to meet many different organizations, you know, colleagues that work for different organizations, whether it's foundation or non-governmental organization or governmental organizations that have uh, uh, expanded my network and, and somehow provided other opportunities. Uh, so I end up consulting or, or have, having work with, uh, with, with organizations that I never <laughs> thought that I was going to be collaborating with uh, yeah. and in places that I never thought that I was ever going to visit or anything mm -hmm. like this. But yeah, that, so essentially that's in general my, my story, my path into the work that I do. That's what I find so cool is that you've got both, you've got, got a foot in academia and then a foot in the real world, whatever that actually mm -hmm. means. But like the idea that um, you can s still be in academia, but you're also like doing advocacy work, I think is really cool. Because um, I feel like sometimes for me personally, I feel like I live in a bubble in this university and it's kind of hard to reach out of that. Um, so that's one of that I think I just think that that's very cool is that you're an advocate and you're an academic and not everyone is like that. So well, thank you for saying that. But I think uh, when when you do this, I, I I totally understand why people would say that academia is not the real world, right? Mm -hmm. I totally understand, and it's kind of a we're in our ivory tower here, and you know, just doing research detached from the community. But I think um, uh, when when you really uh, engage uh, with the community. Part of the process is also means engaging with what happens in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And for me, academia is, is very real. It's very real in the sense that it has the opportunity just to 
connect aspects that others have done in other contexts at a different time and, and see how or what of that applies into something concrete. But, but the beautiful thing about academia that makes it really alive is the fact that it's constantly changing by the way in which students, not necessarily the experts that are leading a class, but the student that is coming in is reinterpreting that material, is readdressing it, and is connecting it to their own life and their own circumstances. Mm -hmm. I also believe in a classroom that is interactive and connects with the community, because I believe that the borders that, 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 that we set in a classroom is what really makes academia you know, isolated from the community. But if you open this border and bring members of the community into the classroom, or invite the students to get into the community, this is where academia acquires its real strength mm -hmm. and the power to really engage in the real world and makes it all this theory real for, for the students. And I think that is key. And therefore, I refuse to believe that all uh, academic settings are not the real world mm -hmm. because it depends on how you treat academia. Uh, yeah, in the process. Wow, can I? Can you teach a class on that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, social innovation strategy. Uh, do, do you let English PhD students take take your courses? Yeah, I've, yeah. That, yes, I don't even have anything to say. But that's like a very good point. Is that academia? Well said. Yes, does academia does have very real world real world consequences, and so we shouldn't treat it as if it doesn't. As if those two things are separate. Yes, no, no, I think that's a mistake. I think that's a huge mistake that we potentially make um, on a regular basis just because things are said that way, but there's absolutely no reason for which you cannot expand mm -hmm. the walls of your classroom. <laughs> and to build on that, like I love how multifaceted your experience is in your own career. And I know you said, you talked a little bit about your consulting career, but I would love to hear a little bit about your bio says that you've worked both in the public and private sectors in America and in Mexico. So, or I'm sorry, the United States and Mexico. So I would love to hear a little bit about what it was like working in the public and private sectors um, alone, and then maybe some differences that you saw culturally and the way that both countries did business um, as you worked in both. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very interesting question. I think um, my experience in the public sector in both places um, was one that was always reminded by the red tape and bureaucracy that exists mm -hmm. uh, in, in any process. And in some cases, it's, it's definitely necessary. It's definitely something that, that um, you need to embrace given the... Uh, level of uh, engagement, liability, um, uh, you know, we're using taxpayers' money, right? This, this, mm -hmm. is, this, is, this creates uh, a, a lot of um, uh, uh, points where, where you have to, you know, do your check and balance, right? You, you, you really need to make sure that everything is, all the I's are dotted and all these. So in that sense, I, I found this sector in both countries to be uh, equally, quote unquote, slow. <laughs> um, and then my, my experience in the private sector was 
was uh, uh, or has been uh, more limited, uh, but but um, my engagement mainly with uh, my consulting has allowed me to work with different organizations in the private sector that um, I believe the main difference that exists in the two countries is the access to capital, mm -hmm. right? The access of resources. Um, it is clear that uh, America has an abundance of financial resources through which innovation um, is possible, through which um, you know, the access to qualified human resource is possible. Right. Um, and then there are other elements that surround uh, business creation or, or you know, uh, access to market that, that makes it different for the entrepreneur in, in, in a place like Mexico yeah. or uh, someone in America. Or I, I, I would even go as far as saying an entrepreneur in America and an entrepreneur in almost every other part of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, this access, this opportunity, this, this um, uh, resource that you have, you know, brings more and more resources. It's like, a, it's like a virtuous cycle, right? Everybody wants to be in America, launch from America, sell to America, you know, so, so for as long as the resources keep flowing in this direction, is, is always, you know, it's a very different scenario than when you work in, in markets where simply accessing a line of credit becomes difficult, right? Mm -hmm. uh, having access to mentors that are willing to spend their time uh, advising you in the process, um, you know, having um, incubators that will, you know, let you play, plug and play, like, mm -hmm. you know, to mention one of the organizations that exist here in Northwest Arkansas that does precisely that. You know, there are, different eco ecosystems with different resources. And I think I, I see the difference between them uh, clearly in that sense. I want to come back to that thought about the entrepreneur in the United States versus the rest of the world, because I know we talk about in our class together, um, and I know you have a lot of experience working with people who have have their first exposure to business being small business owners mm -hmm. and or business culture being small business owners. So when you go and you consult with small business owners across the world and are involved in micro lending, what would you say the first couple of things that you teach them are? Would you say, like you said, the goal is to be um, do business with America, sell to America. Do you have, do you feel like you have to teach them the quote unquote Americanized business culture or what's, how do you go about that? Well, I mean, I was, when I was referring to that aspect of the goal is mm -hmm. to sell to America or whatever, I, I was talking in general, right? I was mm -hmm. talking, but, but when I work with, you know, these micro entrepreneurs around the world, frankly, the goal is to generate some cash flow and some revenue streams to break their cycle of poverty. No one is thinking on selling to America or anything mm -hmm. like that necessarily. Um, I like your question, however, I, I have to emphasize, and this is not false modesty, but I, I think that uh, these micro-entrepreneurs have taught me um, as much, if not more, than what I ever have been able to, to teach them you know, in, yeah. in the process. But your point about uh, teaching business you know, and, and this American version, I think the way in which we conduct business in the world is permeated uh, by 
America and American culture. Mm. And it, it's not a surprise. It's not, you know, it's not a premeditated thing or, but it's, mm. it's just resources, capital, uh, information, uh, know-how. Most of it is here. So therefore, most of the best business schools in the world are at American universities. And the business schools that exist everywhere else look after American universities, you know, initiatives, um, models, curriculums, etc., to, to try to replicate. Because obviously, the successful aspect of it you know, is, is more evident in this part of the world than in other parts of the world. Not that doesn't exist anywhere else, right? But, but, but so, so this makes the business content, you know, what, what, what we teach in a classroom about marketing or management or strategy or entrepreneurship or finance, this makes it like very um, culture, uh, culturally bias in a sense mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and with expectations and with kind of like kind of similar to how I learned in history class that America is not the center of the map mm -hmm. <laughs> because all of our maps have America right in the center but that's not the way that it is it is not necessarily and and one thing that I have learned in my in my um, engagement with many different organizations that want to bring micro lending or want to start you know um, business workshops for um, different groups in some sort of disadvantaged situation is that when, when, when you go and talk about uh, aspects related to um, I don't know, just the, the very basic concept of charging for something that you have produced, a service that you have offered, right? And I was once in um, a refugee camp in the Saharawi desert and we were talking about the viability of a, of a tea shop and you know we were going uh, uh, over the business model and you know some some strategies and you know and, and at the end of the day uh, you know some some income statement projections and all that and mm -hmm. at the end of the day uh, I, I remember I said something like and there you have it now you can you can charge for the tea that you sell to your to your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And the woman stopped and everybody like look up and it's like, what do you mean? Mm. It's like, well, we have been working for the last couple of hours on these, you know, like mm -hmm. I was trying to show you how this could be viable financially, you know, like these are the cost structure, blah blah blah, mm -hmm. all these things. And it's like, yeah, 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 that's fine. But I am not gonna charge tea to my neighbor. Yeah. Like, like and, I, and then I was like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's like, no, 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 this is no, he has it for free, you know, mm -hmm. like they, they get this tea for free. It's like, wow, I mean, there's, I, I was completely blinded about this fundamental cultural difference that mm -hmm. would not allow to run a business in the same way that we conceive a business should be run in parts of the world where simply the culture and you know, the relevance of my interaction with my neighbor, right, mm -hmm. will get in the way of, you know, mm -hmm. making, you know, X percentage of a profit, <laughs> whatever, mm -hmm. you know, by selling X or Y thing, you know, so, so that was to me very revealing. And ever since then, I have tried purposefully to 
first and foremost, understand what is about the culture that we can incorporate into business best practices, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking as we we're as we we're talking is that I think a lot of times we or I'll just give myself I think of business culture as being objective and being something that yeah is like the same for everyone or that we're doing it the right way when that's ridiculous it's entirely dependent on the the institutions that we have in place like already in our own country and that's what I was thinking too is like the kind of the relationship between going into someone else's space and and that relationship of like teaching or um, how do you maintain respect as an outside person coming in and I guess that's the way to do it is by understanding um, like the cultural differences or something that I don't know if that makes sense no 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 yes absolutely and and, and I think um... I would say is, is making an attempt to mm -hmm. understand because I, I really believe that at least um, the, the role that I play in this big effort of bringing access to capital and some business um, acumen to, the, to, to certain groups of people around the world, I think, uh, yeah, at least in my role, it's really difficult to fully understand because I am not there. Mm -hmm. I don't leave the day-to-day. -day. I, I am just there for a couple of weeks and leave. I never really experience... I don't speak the language in many cases, right? Uh, so it is up to the, to the community partner, the one that is in the mm -hmm. field, that really is making the difference. And, 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 and it's true. I mean, it, it, it appears as if business is this um, objective, you know, a cost structure is a cost structure, mm -hmm. uh, a break-even analysis is a break-even analysis, that's it, you know, you cannot, you know, the figure is a figure, you know, you, you probably make estimations, but it's at the end of the day, it's the same, it's the same kind of, of aspect. And yes, business has that, and this is a beauty of, of, of business because of that, it's a, it's a universal language in that sense. But at the same time, business, in my opinion, is first and foremost, about people mm -hmm. and when we bring people into the equation then it's about culture and it's about feelings mm -hmm. and it's about understanding and it's about language and it's about you know uh, traditions mm -hmm. habits and so, so so this is why for me it's very important that our um, students here at the Walton College get the experience of the study abroad for this right that will bring some perspectives or get, you know, it's so important to expand the classroom into the community to get the perspective of people that perhaps never went to a business school, never went through a business course, and yet they are trying to make uh, a nonprofit work or a small business work, right? So that to me is, is super important because it's in that dialogue, it's in that interaction that your empathy, your understanding, um, is when, when you leave the theory of, or, or the, the emptiness of a number, mm -hmm. right, or a process, and get into, oh, this is why it really doesn't matter, you know, how many, you know, um, you know what's the amount or what's the, what this aspect is permeated by all these other factors, mm -hmm. right?
having that understanding, having that sensibility, I think is very important for anybody, but especially for someone that is in, in business. Mm. And we talked, so we talked a lot about how maybe your perceptions of what business culture should be or is like, were kind of challenged or seen as obsolete in like different parts of the world maybe, but what are some things that you developed, some skills that you developed as um, throughout your career or through your degree that you feel like translate very well cross-culturally and were really important to coming to where you are today? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> and I don't think... Um, are you still learning skills? I mean, oh, you talked yeah, a little bit about how um, as you move across the world, like people teach you a lot of things as well. Yes. So you can speak on that. No, 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 absolutely. But one one thing when I when I uh, was reading your, your question and... When, when you posted one one thing, I, I think it's very difficult for me to come up with one aspect. But the one aspect that I, I came up with was, I guess, if there is a skill that has helped me um, kind of provide what I have, you know, bring it to that to that environment and then try to apply it in the best possible way, provided the circumstances of that environment is flexibility. You, know, you need to be you need to be uh, uh, flexible in understanding that the model that you bring to the table, you know, whatever structure and processes and procedures that you bring to the table, may have to bend or adapt or transform into something slightly different than what you originally thought by incorporating the the say of the people that you're going to be working with. And this is what I call um, generating agency among mm-hmm. your, the, the people that you're working with. You know, so, so, so I think it is important that in this process of uh, getting agency that, that the person that you're working with feels like, okay, I have a say in this. It's not, it's not someone that is coming from I don't know where and you know trying to teach me something that I really is the first time that I encounter. I really don't understand. This is not the way that we do business here or whatnot. And instead, it's more trying to be flexible about the way in which you bring that process and let it let let your your audience shape it in the way they they want to shape it and in the way they want to embrace it. Um, and this will um, have taught me a lot of things. You know, this this have taught me um, the many different assumptions that we make about how a business should work when we have certain standards or cir- circumstances surrounding this, right? But when these circumstances change. Okay, how are you gonna how are you gonna develop this idea then? So you need to be anticipating yes, that you, there's always you, you, change. Uh, yes, and you need and you need to 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 be able to be really creative and really innovative. Mm-hmm. Like it, cre- creativity and innovation acquire a whole different dimension. Mm-hmm. Right? When you take when you get out of the prescribed circumstances that must surround your your procedure on how to create a business or you know how to think of a business or what a business should do right um, 
because yeah, and this is this is why I normally in my classes I invite students to, you know, there's this song New York, New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. But really, I like to think, I don't know if they have been to Malawi, Lilongwe, Malawi, for example, or Port-au-Prince in Haiti, right? If you can make it there, then you can make it everywhere. Because, you know, the, the, the infrastructure is not there, the opportunity is not there, and yet we have entrepreneurs there. Yet we have innovators there. Yes, and of course, of course, none of them have ever, and probably will not, scale at the level of entrepreneurs in America, mm-hmm. right? But it's not because they lack talent mm-hmm. or they lack the capacity to do it in terms of their own business acumen and understanding and, and innovating uh, spirit. It's more about access to opportunity, access to infrastructure, access to resources, mm-hmm. right? But making it work in places where the resource is limited is a whole different story and it triggers creativity and innovation in, in different ways. And that's what traveling abroad may give you. That's what seeing the way in which others conduct business or solve a problem may give you, you know, the idea of, okay, there is not only one way of doing business, right? And actually businesses can mean many different things, can generate value uh, and can mean many different things for many different people, right? Um, so yes, it has to be financially sustainable. Yes, yes, of course. Otherwise, it's not a business per se. But the value that it creates is not limited to that. And it could be uh, taking many different forms and shapes, um, particularly determined by the circumstances that surround that business. It seems like like self-awareness is really important in that position and like awareness of your own positionality and not that you can understand other people's positionality but how you the circumstances that you have and how that is for other people so it seems like yeah it seems like an awareness of positionality is really important in that situation i agree and in all situations i i agree i i used to <laughs> this was a crazy idea but i used to um use john rolls in my in my um, social enterprise classes, you know, like the veil of ignorance, the original position, you know, yeah, like be aware of where you are versus the, you know, where, where what is your starting point yeah. versus the starting point of others, right? And you cannot by any means apply the same methodology, apply the same procedure and, and share the same tools because it's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. So you need to adapt and uh, and reshape. Um, yeah, Rolls is a dense. <laughs> I love a, that a bit dense, but but I so I don't use it anymore. But 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 yeah, and you know, but but I think we need to learn how to look at things in a in a different way. And when we when you know, in terms of what a business would be, but you know, there is no business if you're not solving a pain point. If you're not solving a need, there's also no business, right? Mm-hmm. But in this process of understanding that perspective of the other, the assessment of the problem becomes something completely different, you know? Like, even, even recognizing that as a problem is, 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 you know, in certain places, that would not be a problem. Why would that be a problem, right? And, and this is why, you know, in, in, this, in this world of, 
you know, I am advocate for entrepreneurship with impact, right? Social businesses, um, social innovation. What can we do? Can business be a transformative uh, tool to, 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 to address the problems of the world and all this? But when, when we look for a pain point, normally, if you think about it, the pain point is always constrained to our experience, mm-hmm. right? And maybe if you do your discovery process, the experience of the market or the community that you live in, right? And yeah, I mean, that market may verify it and that market, yeah, but, but to some extent, we also need to recognize that there are many other markets out there and that uh, these markets have many different needs, some of them very essential needs, very basic needs, for which there is money in the world, but there is not a process or there is not a mechanism to bring the resources necessary to satisfy those basic needs in many places of the world. So are we really looking at the pain points in a holistic way? And are we really comprehensively understanding the power that we have with our business skills to bring solutions that could be profitable, that could scale to different markets? Even the problems that we come up with may completely change if we are aware of that. Mm. To kind of close it out, because I feel like we've, like I feel like I've learned a lot and still am barely touching the surface with international culture and all that it has to offer. But if you were to say, if you had to give a few words of wisdom to students who know that they're going to be doing business with other cultures, what would you tell them to be able to achieve? that global mindset? I would say um, don't assume. There is, even within academia, even within places where we are supposed to be, you know, getting deeper into an issue and understanding things uh, more profoundly, I think it is imperative that we don't uh, settle for for stereotypes or for simple assessments of what another country is, right? Based on a GDP indicator or based on, you know, a picture that you see uh, on the press or something, you know? Like, uh, I think um, doing business internationally requires connecting with people and requires trying to, to, if not, speaking fluently, trying to speak the language as fluently as you can. Um, So learning another language, travel abroad, um, um, being uh, genuinely interested in understanding the history, Mm -hmm. right? And refusing to stay in the stereotype. Not because the stereotypes are not true, but to me, the stereotypes are just part of the story. Mm. The problem with the stereotypes is not that they are not true, it's just that they are just a, a little aspect of the whole story, right? Mm. Uh, so in, in a way, our understanding of the world is often permeated by what we hear about things, mm. you know, hear about it, but, but not really, never experience, right? Mm-hmm. Never experience. And there are many different uh, tones and, and sounds and aspects that 
you need to allow yourself to experience in order to have a more comprehensive understanding. Now, you may not like it, you may love it, but, but that's not the point. The point is, are we really grasping and understanding? And, and in my experience, at least, this is not to say that should be or would be the experience of anybody that travels, but in my experience, at the end of the day, you know, of course, I have favorite places, not that favorite places, you know, but at the end of the day, I have met wonderful people everywhere, right? And, and I have friends everywhere, right? people that I consider my friends everywhere. And, and this has nothing to do with their nationality or their religion or their, you know, background or, you know, their socioeconomic circumstance. And that, to me, is the greatest gift of, you know, engaging with the world. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to close it off on. You're so well-spoken. Thank you Thank so you. much, Rogelio, for joining us. And um, we really appreciate all your insight. And I, if you ever decide to take English PhD students in your class, just let me know. You're more, than, more than welcome. I'm always interested in that diversity of perspective. Yeah. Um, I don't know much, but I can learn a lot. So. Thank you again, Rogelio. Thank you. All right, folks, well, we actually had a little bit too much interview content for one episode, so feel free to tune into episode two of International Culture, where we interview Macy and Anhala from the BCL.